Blessings New Birth, we're here on week three of our sermon series entitled Summit. Summer at New Birth, this entire summer, we are focusing on addressing one specific mountain throughout the course of the seven weeks of summer at New Birth. Uh, just to recap for those of you who were not here yet last week or the week prior, the first week we endeavored to climb Mount Sinai. And Mount Sinai, we talked about three things that happened at Mount Sinai. When God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, he did it in a segment of three areas. Number one, the first set of commandments was designed to draw man closer to God. So at man, Mount Sinai, man was drawn closer to God. Second thing is that Mount Sinai is designed to draw us to work on ourselves. And lastly, we talked about that Mount Sinai is designed to help us to treat others in a godly way. And that's what we talked about the first week as we transitioned up Mount Sinai. However, last week, we climbed Mount Nebo. And Mount Nebo for us is a place that is so important because it has to deal with three specific areas. Number one, Mount Nebo is a place of vision. It was at Mount Nebo where Moses was able to see the land that was promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. But not only is it, it is a place of vision, but Mount Nebo is also the place of death. It is at Mount Nebo where the Bible says that Moses died, God took him, and his life no longer ceased. So Mount Nebo represents some things in us that has to die in order for other things to be able to live. And lastly, Mount Nebo is the place of transition. It wasn't up until Moses left that then Joshua undertook the calling of God for his life. So that's what we talked so far. Today we're climbing Mount Moriah. And so before we go to Mount Moriah, I want us to be able to have a little glimpse of what the story is all about. And I want to talk a little bit about a man by the name of Abraham and his life. And I want to mention it precisely one year before the scripture we're going to read. It's interesting that uh, God will always change our lives and our location in the proportion whereby we endeavor to obey God. Obedience is the number one key to be able to eyewitness what God has for us. It's interesting that when God called Abraham, which by the way, his name wasn't Abraham, his name was Abram. When God called Abram, he was 75 years old. I think that alone is a message. That at the age of 75, here is a man who accepting the call of God for his life. And listen to what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and on. It says, Now the Lord has said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And then he tells him, I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 4 says, so Abraham departed. Talking about obedience. Abraham departed as the Lord has spoken to him. And Lot went with him and Abram was 75 years old when he departed Haran. That's a great story. But I want you to see the implications. Number one, God calls him at the age of 75. Many of us at the age of 65, we already settled, we're retired, 
We already found our dwelling place for the rest of our days. And at the age of 75, God commissions Abram for a new task. Now, where was, where was Abram a citizen of? What city did Abram live? The Bible says that Abram was from a place called Ur of the Chaldeans. And let me give you some, some backdrop. Ur in the Bible was one of the greatest cities in Chaldean. Which, by the way, Chaldeans was big on astrology. They were big on looking at the stars. Ain't no reason why, I, I don't think it's a coincidence why, God tells Abraham, look at the stars of the heaven and that way your, your descendants will be just like that. It's not coincidence. He comes from a place of astrology. Ur of the Chaldeans, which by the way, happens to be years later, Babylon, which today is the modern day Iraq. And why, am I, why am I giving you this backdrop? Because Abraham was not from Israel. Abraham was not, which by the way, Israel happened later, but a Abraham comes from a pagan country. He comes from a pagan background. It wasn't a God-centered nation. It wasn't a God-fearing nation. They worshiped all types of God. And in that environment, God called Abraham and Abraham obeyed the Lord. So God changes his name the moment he obeyed to serve the Lord. Listen to me. Your identity, your character, your nature will only experience change as you and I endeavor to allow God to work in us as we obey him and him alone. So God changes his name simply because he obeyed. God changes his name from Abram to Abraham at the age of 99. God calls him at 75, and 24 years later, God is going to change his name. And in Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 6, listen to what it says. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make up my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face. And God talked to him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer, he tells him, shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you change of name change of location change of destiny simply because he determined in his life to live a life of obedience and now what does God do when God sees that Abraham obeyed and left Ur of the Chaldeans, when God saw that Abraham obeyed and was walking like a nomad in nomad's land and he followed God and he obeyed God, here's what God does. God promises Abraham a son because he obeyed. And he gives him a son. Now bear in mind, God calls him at 75. At 99, he changes his name. And at 100 years of age, Abraham has a son. Genesis chapter 21 verses 1 through 7 I got to give you the backdrop so you could get what I'm going to tell you it says and the Lord visited Sarah as she has said and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken for Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age 
at the set time of which God has spoken to him. And Abraham called this the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him by the name of Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight years old, as God had commanded. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born, and Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, who would have said that Abraham and Sarah would have nursed children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. Do you see the power of provision in the middle of obedience? Abraham obeyed God at the age of 99. And at the age of 99, God tells Abraham, you're going to have a son. At the age of 99, God tells Abraham, you're going to have a baby. And you know what? You know what Abraham did? He obeyed it. Even though physically it was impossible to have a baby at 99, at 100 years age, years old. But at the age of 99, God says, Abraham, by this time next year, you're going to have a baby. Now, understand what this implies. Abraham decides, okay, I'm going to believe it. Now, what did that cause in Abraham? Abraham's obedience led him to have intimacy with his wife. Now, you gotta, it's gonna be a little weird today for you. Imagine a 99 year old man trying to romanticize his wife at that age. He might not be able to see her at 99 the way he saw her at 25. But he believed God so much and he obeyed God so much that even though his physical body didn't have any sexual attraction, even though his impulses did not lead him to want to have relationship and intercourse with his wife, he went in the spirit of obedience and through his obedience, he subjected his body to obey the command of the Lord in his life. Abraham's obedience led him towards intimacy. And I say that to say this, church, we cannot experience intimacy with God if we're not willing to obey him. Some of us, we want to go deep in God. Lord, we, I want to feel your presence. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, let me be intimate with you. Listen, there cannot be intimacy if there's no obedience, church. And what happened when Abraham obeyed intimacy? And what was the result of Abraham's obedience? He was able to see his wife birth joy listen to me church there is nothing that brings greater joy in the life of a believer when you obey God against all odds and you see the hand of God work on your behalf there is no greater joy than to see God open doors in the middle of a crisis because you're not going in your own strength or in your own power you're in the business of obeying God because you know that if God said it he will do it and when it comes to pass I'm gonna do like Abraham did Abraham named his son's name Isaac which means joy and laugh when you obey God church and you trust the Lord and God makes a way all you have to do is rejoice in the Lord and again I say rejoice Abraham's obedience birth joy you want to live a joyful life church start obeying you want to live a happy life church start obeying you want to live a fulfilled life? Forget about your agenda. Forget about your plans. Forget about your dreams. Put your life, your plans, and your will in the hands of God. And you're going to see that every step you make and every step you take in the will of God will always produce joy in your life. So now at this time, 99, him and Sarah got, got pregnant. At 100, 
years of age. The Bible says that Abraham has his son by the name of laughter. Now, here's the problem with this, or here's a challenge with this rather. That not only would God bless you in your obedience, but my point today is your obedience will always be tested. Obedience will always be tested. And so now we're going to go up the mountain because now we're going to talk about Mount Moriah. I gave you all of the backdrop of Abraham, a man of obedience, but now God is going to test his obedience when we go to chapter 2, chapter 22 of Genesis verses 1 through 2. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here am I, he replied. And then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Go to the mountain of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Listen to me, church. Your obedience will go through the test. Your obedience will go through the test. But not only that, your faith will go through the test. And your worship will go through the test. Those of us that we call ourselves believers and Christians and we love God. Listen, everything about your relationship with God in this walk will always go through the test. Abraham's obedience had to go through the test. Abraham's faith had to go through the test. And Abraham's worship had to go through the test. And so he says, Abraham, I want you to get your son. And I want you to go to the Mount Moriah. And I'm going to show you where specifically. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to sacrifice your son. I want you to kill him in the altar of sacrifice. And what does Abraham do? Let's see what he does. Genesis chapter 22 verses 3 to 5. It says, look what it says. Early the next morning. I could preach on that for a year. Because sometimes God gives us a word and we procrastinate on the word of God. How many times God is telling you to do something and do something and to take the next step and you're just holding on and clinging on and you don't want to let go and you don't want to do it and you're afraid and you want to know it in Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic and Latin. No, 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 no. As soon as God told Abraham early the next morning, Abraham got up, look what he did, and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, they were walking for three days. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance and said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Let me tell you something about Mount Moriah Church. Mount Moriah is not a place for everybody. Mount Moriah is not a place for everybody. Abraham, the Bible says, he took two of his servants. He took them on the journey, but he didn't take them to the summit. He took them on the journey, but he couldn't take them to worship. Some people, listen, around you could handle the journey, but they can't handle the climb. There are people right now that got you stuck in complacency because you're just so into wanting to gratify them. And I'm here to tell you, some people you've been walking with in life, they've been cool to have been along the journey. It's been great to have them along the journey. It's been nice and dandy. They've been there with you. But where God is taking you and the climb that's coming, God is saying, you can't bring those guys. You can't bring that spirit. You can't bring those people towards where I want to take you. Listen to me, church. Some people... 
not going to be fit for you in this journey God has for you. Why? Because true worshipers will separate you from false worshipers. True believers will separate you, will be separated from false believers. There are some people in your circle, listen to me, that God is going to do like Abraham did. There are some people in your circle that Abraham said, no, y'all got to stay here. You can't come with me. There are some people in your circles that need to stay behind with the donkeys. There's some people in your circle. You need, to, you need to leave them behind as you and your joy, as you and your Isaac walk towards the purpose of God for your life. My first point was your obedience will be tested. My second point is your obedience will require faith. Genesis 22 verses 6 through 8 says, So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And then he said, Look, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Oh God, I've been preaching. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. This scripture is telling us that you cannot act a life of obedience absent from faith. The son, can, can, I'm, I'm here to tell you, church, can you declare this provision when you're about to lose it all? Can you make this declaration in the midst of you knowing that you're about to sacrifice the thing you love the most? Isaac is telling his father, dad, I see the fire, I see the wood, I see everything, but where's the sacrifice? Listen to Abraham's response. He says, the Lord will provide. I ask you, church. I ask you, Newberg, can you honor God with that which he's requiring from you when all you have is an Isaac? Can you give him from your time when you feel you don't have enough time? Because that's what Isaac is. Isaac is that, oh, that thing that you have, the only son that you have, the one that you love. God is asking you right now, can you give me that thing you say you have no time for? Can you give him your gifts? Can you give him your talents? Can you give him your abilities even though you keep telling yourself, I don't qualify? This is what God is telling Abraham. Abraham, I want you to give me. But what does Abraham do? He lives out in faith. Because obedience is always connected and attached to faith. Your obedience will be tested. But your obedience will require faith. And my third point is, your obedience will require action, church. Verses 9-11 through 11 says, when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar. He got to work and he arranged the wood on it and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Whenever God calls you twice in Bible, that he's telling you he's making a covenant. Abraham, Abraham. And he replied, here I am. Listen to me, church. Abraham not only needed to have faith, but he needed to have works. Because the Bible says that faith without works is dead. Church is full of people that believe. Oh, I believe. I believe. I believe. But what are you doing what you believe? It's not enough to believe. Believing without action is is just positive thinking god is calling us today to put to work that thing that god is calling us to do 
So Abraham takes his son Isaac, lays him on the altar. And Abraham began to reach for the knife to, to penetrate it through his son. And all of a sudden, while he's at work, listen to me, while he's at work. Oh God, I've been preaching. While he's at work, he hears the voice of the Lord. While he's at work, he, you know why like some of us don't know the voice of God? Because we're not working for him. You remember in the Bible, in the Bible, the Bible says that the prophet Samuel, when he was a little boy, his mom consecrated him to the temple. And while he was working at the temple, he heard that God called his name, not one time, not two times, but three times. You will never hear the voice of God as long as you're crossing your arms, but put your hands in the plow and start working for the kingdom and start going up the mountain. You're not only going to find fulfillment and joy, but you will hear the word and the voice of the Lord on your behalf, church. So make sure you hear the Lord in your climb. Make sure you hear the Lord in all you do. Position yourself to labor in the kingdom so that you can hear the word of the Lord. Your obedience will be tested. Your obedience will require faith. Your obedience will require action. And lastly, your obedience will bring provision. Genesis 22, 12 through 13 says, after Abraham hears the voice of the Lord, this is what God tells him. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Look what he says. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld me from your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its thorns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his sons. So Abraham looked in, there in the thicket. He saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Isn't that powerful, church? To understand this, I, I got to read this verse. I got to read this verse because this verse is going to explain what I'm trying to tell you. Listen, in Genesis chapter 22, verse 14, listen to it. Listen to the dialogue that Abraham has with his son. He says, Abraham says, Isaac says to his father, Father, I see the wood, I see the fire, but where, where's the sacrifice? And you know what? You know what Abraham replied? He said, my son, the Lord will provide. And in 2214, it says, so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. It is in this context that we get this new name of Jehovah. One of God's name is Jehovah Jireh. That name Jehovah Jireh was birthed in this text. Oh God. Oh, Jesus. But verse 8 says, verse 8 says, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. What am I telling you? Abraham told his son before God had provided, before God made a way. God, Abraham told his son that the Lord was going to provide way before he provided. And because he believed in faith, listen to church, Abraham didn't name this place Jehovah Jireh. 
after the fact, before he saw the ram, before he saw the sacrifice, before he saw provision, when Isaac, his son, asked him, where is the sacrifice? He said, Jehovah Jireh. He named it Jehovah Jireh before Jehovah Jireh. He named it the Lord will provide before the Lord provided. I'm here to tell you, church, can you do the same in the middle of your crisis? Can you declare the Lord is good in the middle of your bad times? Can you declare the Lord is your provider in the middle of your lack? Can you declare the Lord is your healing in the middle of your sickness? This is why this mountain is so important because it's going to develop you to believe God even in the midst of your worst circumstances because you understand that an obedient life is a life of provision for the believer church Abraham told his son God would provide before God actually provided so that name of that place he named it in faith he named it Jehovah Jireh before Jireh happened so I ask you church do you believe God enough to obey when it seems like you're losing can you declare provision while simultaneously you have to let the thing God provided go. Can you do that? At Mount Moriah Church, your obedience will be tested. At Mount Moriah, <laughs> Mount Moriah is designed to challenge your faith. Mount Moriah is going to require you and I to take some action. But don't be scared because Mount Moriah will show you a new perspective of God's provision. So as I close today, I want to challenge you to obey, to submit, to surrender, to allow God's faith in your life to come to fruition as you simply obey the Lord. Your obedience will be tested. Listen to me. Your obedience will require faith. Your obedience will require action. But your obedience will bring about provision so you have two options today not obey the Lord and say you know what uh, I'm a hundred years now I don't know about this baby thing I'm just going to chill here I'm just going to do me or are you going to step out in faith and go against all odds and say even though I can't physically produce if God is asking me to do the impossible it's because he's going to make it possible are you going to step out in faith and bring the thing that brings you joy and put it in the altar of the Lord? Are you willing to take that sun that represents your laughter and place it in the altar of your Savior? Are you willing to let go the voices that have been sojourning with you all these days in your life, but now you understand that God wants worship? And some people in your environment don't qualify to go. Listen, can you imagine? Can you imagine if those guys would have gone up the mountain? They, they would have convinced Moses. Abraham, sorry. They would have convinced Abraham. Don't do it. Abraham, what are you talking about? No. Are you crazy? Sarah's going to kill you. Don't do it. But sometimes, sometimes you got to get rid of those voices in your environment so that the only voice you can hear, oh, I feel like preaching, that the only voice you can hear is the voice of God. So today God is challenging you to climb up the summit of Mount Moriah. Climb up and let those things behind and leave the donkeys behind and leave the folks behind and leave those negative voices behind. Just go with your joy and your obedience and work out your faith to the glory and the honor of God. So here's what I want to do. If you're here in your house, in your car, at the wherever you're at, and you heard this word and you believe that God is 
calling you and charging you to step out, to leave your Ur of the Chaldeans. By the way, Ur of the Chaldeans was one of the richest countries in the time of Abraham. Multilinguistic, entrepreneurial town. That was unbelievable. The, one of the most greatest libraries in the times of Abraham was in Ur of the Chaldeans, which is where we get Babylon. And God tells Abraham, leave your house, your father's house, the land of your father, and come to me, sojourn with me. And in the process, just obey. Because there's a Mount Moriah that I'm going to use for your glory. So if you want to climb with God in this mount, perhaps you're here, you're hearing, and you have not given Jesus your heart. The first step to climb this mountain is inviting Jesus into your heart. So pastor, what do I do to get saved? Simple. Repeat with me this prayer. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I heard your word, and I believe you have a plan for my life. I believe you, you created me so that I may be in relationship with you. And to do that, God, I understand today that I need Jesus. So I receive Jesus in my heart. Jesus, wash me and cleanse me and write my name in the book of life and forgive me from all of my sins. And with your help, I promise to serve you in Jesus' name.